conscious couples, business partners, and singles committed to attracting their dream partner, welcome to the Conscious Couples Podcast, where we share our life, love story, and combined relationship expertise to help you create and consistently cultivate the most magnificent, intimate relationship possible. Never again will you feel hopeless and alone in your intimate relationship challenges. Having accumulated thousands of hours coaching conscious couples and individuals all over the world, as well as starting and growing a global business together, Alan and I are here to guide you and all things relationships. Thank you again for tuning into the one place where it's not about you or me. It's about the the we. we. Conscious couples and individuals from all over the world, welcome back to the Conscious Couples Podcast. Today we have episode number 71, Avoiding Toxic Masculinity. So this is one of our monthly post-event wrap-ups type of thing. Mm -hmm. And the event, thank you all of the attendees for coming. It ended up being a really good showing, which was awesome, especially in the springtime when everyone is outside and such. It's harder to fill those, but everyone came. Thank you so much ended up being very impactful. So today's episode is going to be a little different and it's going to be the three most impactful questions that were asked. This this event of the 24 that we've done, which by the way, uh, two year anniversary Whoop. of Relationship Talks events. Before I go any further, I want to give a shout out to Next Level Podcast Solutions. Thank you so much for all that you do for producing this show and 45 other shows. Holy schmoly. Yeah, it's growing. It's crazy. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Great we work, appreciate guys. you. Uh, for making us look better than we really are. (laughs) I'm kidding. All right. So uh, this one's a little different. We picked the most impactful questions. This this event of the 24 events that we've done had the most engagement. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons for that is because of the topic, toxic masculinity. I have a client who's intimate partner did a phd in toxic masculinity and i was like wow so cool i have predictions that that relationship will be great (laughs) (laughs) but um seriously though so that's what we want to talk about today is we want to unpack the three most impactful questions and get into it so sweetheart as always what is your intention for today's my intention for our listeners is to really help every single one of you avoid the toxic masculinity tendencies that we got into in the event but obviously not through the detail that we went to in depth in the event which brought literally 45 minutes of questions at the end which was so amazing but by sharing both alan and i's perspectives on these three questions. Like Alan said, the three most impactful questions, we're going to get into those. And I really do hope, and it is my intention that all of our listeners can take one little golden nugget away in their relationships or in their life to help avoid some of these tendencies that we see crop up. So without further ado, what do we have behind door number one? Door number one. This is shout out to you, Bruce. You actually have two questions that came in. What do we have for her, Bruce? Bruce asked, (laughs) do most people desire to be right (sighs) than to connect? And when we were asked that question, babe, you and I kind of did a a little look at each other of, "Mm, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, the answer is yes. Um, And statistically speaking, yeah, statistically speaking, most people do aspire to be right. And most people can't help but just focus on the train of being right. 
one of the first things that Alan and I had done in our relationships was make sure that that wasn't the first priority in our relationship. Mm -hmm. It's not about being right or wrong. It's about connecting when it comes to relationships. And I personally believe that we currently exist now in a world where we are very much emotionally stunted and we are underdeveloped in the ability to be able to connect in ways that help us all. So an example, whenever you have an emotional experience come up where there's a challenging part or maybe you're experiencing toxic masculinity and someone says something in your relationship and it it doesn't sit well with you. Like for example, we had a, someone in the event say, I I didn't really realize it, why it bothered me, but my husband actually put my wife in as my contact name and I didn't realize until now why it bothered me. In right? her phone. In so her, in, his, in phone. his phone. Yep. Right. So whenever she texts him, my wife pops up instead of her name or whatever might be a more aligned version of that. And she didn't really know necessarily what was bothering her. And I think that that's where we as a society tend to be underdeveloped in our ability to express what is bothering us, right? To be able to call out what are the emotions that we're experiencing that are contributing to maybe that icky feeling or why we're bothered or hurt or pained by something. I think that as we develop our emotional literacy, if you will, and understanding of ourselves, I do believe that we can connect more than being right. And that's where that toxic masculinity can actually melt away. And as a result of us being underdeveloped in this emotional awareness, I believe that the ego has had to hyperdevelop in its absence. So what I mean by that is, again, when we aren't feeling heard, seen or valued, our ego is the protector. So whenever you get hurt, instead of, you know, you actually going deeper within and saying, you know, that actually really did bother me and kind of search the ego starts to kind of build out a narrative like, Oh, it's not a big deal. It's not, you know, that doesn't really bother me. So let me try to unpack this for a second. Okay. So your ego is your self-concept. Your ego is who you believe you are. Mm -hmm. If you're wrong, who are you? So when you feel like you're wrong, you would have to go inside and then reevaluate your self-concept, yeah. which would be uncomfortable emotionally. Yeah. Most people, instead of acknowledging that they might not be optimal or right, they would much rather just try to be right so they can protect their own existing self-concept. So the analogy here is there's two trains. The first train wants to be right, doesn't care about connecting, is protecting the ego. Okay. The second train is like the Phoenix Fox in Harry Potter, where it reflects on itself and goes, oh, okay, so I was inaccurate about that. She or he is actually more optimal. Now I have to reevaluate who I am now Mm -hmm. and download that into my consciousness so now I can invest that in the future. So let me give an example. Uh, Emilia and I were going for a hike, and we have a bunch of different spots around here that we love to hike. And I was essentially, she uh, said, our car is that way, this other path. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, this leads to the same parking lot. And as we started to walk, started to walk, started to walk, you started to realize like, "Eh, yeah, you were suppressing your truth. I'm not necessarily right, but I want to connect. So let's just stay together. Exactly. (laughs) And if she suppresses her truth about something important, that's not good. Right. Because then that creates bugs in the garden that eventually take the garden. Mm -hmm. So anyways. She's eventually realizing, yeah, no, this is definitely the wrong path. This is not bringing us back to our car. We are off the path. Mm -hmm. And this is a good metaphor as well. 
And she's like, Alan, are you sure? Like, I think this is the wrong path. And I said, uh, yeah, certain. I'm certain. We eventually realize it's the wrong, it's not bringing us to our car. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in that moment, I have to now reassess my identity. I now am the type of person who not only wanted to be right, but then let that take us on the wrong path. And now I have to sit in the discomfort of I am that person. Mm. I was arrogant in that moment. And now I can transform with that vulnerability of next time I'm going to be less arrogant. I should have said I'm 99% sure Mm. because I did think I was right at the time, (laughs) but I knew I wasn't a hundred percent right. I did have some uncertainty in it. Most of that was just ego. Mm -hmm. And so again, that's a small moment, but hopefully that will connect with everyone. And so the first one is, do most people want to be right more than they want to connect? I would have rather been right in that moment than connect with you. And so I ended up disconnecting us and then we ended up having to cross the road and it wasn't that big of a deal. But the point is, is that what if it was in a situation that was a big deal? Right. What if we were out in the woods trying to survive, for example? then that would be, the consequences would be dire and my ego would have gotten us hurt. Definitely. You had said a beautiful quote that one of the participants in the event actually asked you to repeat so that she could write it down. And it was around this concept of connection and how that needs to be more important or bigger than the desire to be. You have to want to connect more than you want to be right. Mm. And your relationship with being wrong can come up because that's how you learn. Think about it. How did you learn anything? It was predicated on you being wrong. So again, a little side tangent. Okay. (laughs) Next one, love. Next question was, can a relationship work if both have toxic masculinity? This was from Brenda. And we are so grateful for that because the way in which I personally felt and answered that was yes. If a relationship, both individuals, assuming this is a, a two person relationship, right? If both people in the relationship have elements or tendencies of toxic masculinity i personally believe that yes it can work however there's the contingency on this if one swaps out the arrogant tendencies for healthier masculine replacements what were the three things of toxic masculinity we had arrogance Mm -hmm. we had self-absorption self-absorption so being self-centered the whole world revolves around you and then the last one was entitlement yes all right so imagine a human being who is arrogant and always thinks they're right about everything Mm -hmm. who is super self-absorbed not thinking about anyone but themselves unconsciously yep and the whole world revolves around them we all know someone like that definitely and then number three they're entitled they think they deserve stuff by default they think they deserve certain treatment they're very we used cal in titanic the the villain in titanic how he's super entitled we used him as an example in the event so just just for reference right so i believe that a relationship if they're and here's the thing i think that all relationships have a degree of toxic masculinity and so if you look at the relationships that do work you know and Work is, again, a fine line that we'll kind of get into in the next question. But like, I think we all have to work with toxic masculinity and swap out and learn to do better at this, swapping out those toxic traits uh, or tendencies for healthier replacements. So like, for example, for the first tendency of being arrogant, right? So in that moment, use the same story. Yep. So in that moment when I was arrogant, that was a little bit of toxic masculinity. Definitely. And yeah. so the the healthy um, healthy masculinity replacement for that was humility. Mm-hmm. So even for you to have said like, well, babe, I'm like 99% sure. 
but I could be wrong. And I, let's, yep. let's see, right. That's a more collaborative kind yep. of connection based apro- approach rather than a 100% arrogant approach. And that you feeling no unseen, unheard and uncared for. Yeah. And like your opinion doesn't matter. Exactly. Which disconnects us and ripples into the relationship. Exactly. And so the ego, like with the self-absorption in that moment, right. Just thinking about, and you weren't at all self-absorbed in that so i don't know if that's a great example around no that. no i think that's an example of arrogance but yeah, yeah definitely like you you probably know someone who is extremely self-absorbed the world literally revolves around them and when those elements or um if those elements are present in your relationship a really healthy swap is the others focused hey everyone we're mike and jesse and we just wanted to give a quick shout out to alan and amelia from the conscious couples podcast Mike and I have been listeners of the show for a little while, and we decided we wanted to take it one step further and try out couples coaching. In the beginning, we were a little hesitant because we didn't really know how we would be supported through this journey, but Amelia and Alan quickly blew us away during our free 30-minute call where they were able to listen to us, hear our needs, hear our goals, and to just drive to five and find common ground, and we are so excited to jump in every single month with them to continue on our journey. So thank you guys so, so much. All the love. If you haven't tuned in, 10 out of 10 recommend. And I'm forgetting the word right now, but I think it's others empathy. conscious. We oh, empathy. Had empathy. We used empathy. Yeah. yeah. So empathy was really having the capacity to experience what the other person might be thinking or feeling as a result of your interactions. Again, example. So we were in the gym one time and there was these two guys that were right in the way of me and this other guy mm-hmm. and they were just talking. They weren't working out. I was so frustrated because they, they literally were so self-absorbed in their conversation Mm -hmm. that they couldn't see that me and this other guy were really being disrespected and we wanted to use the machines even though they were just flapping their jaws. Yeah. And (laughs) I was so furious. I was so frustrated because it's just, it's so inconsiderate. It's so disrespectful. And what was fascinating for me is I didn't even get upset really until I witnessed the other guy try to use the machine Mm. and then them disrespect him too. And then I was like, all right, (laughs) which means that I obviously wasn't valuing myself enough. But anyways, so that's another example of self-absorbed. Okay, one more. Yep. And then the last toxic trait around this tendency that we're talking about was the third one, which was entitlement. So everything like not only does the world revolve around them, but like they deserve by no merit, by not having to work for it or earn it on their own accord, that they deserve whatever it is. So it could be in a relationship where, let's say, for example, I'll give a classic example. You and your partner come home. There's one partner that expects and is entitled to you putting dinner on the table for them mm-hmm. without any offer of them helping without any agreement that that is maybe a role for the night, right? There's no communication around how this would be beneficial to you both. It's strictly focused on that person and their entitlement and expectation of you in the relationship. Yep. And again, that goes back to a similar thread of the, my wife and that, yeah. that wife role, what they're supposed to do. It's all just right. all this talk. It's all stuff. connected. So okay, a healthy so swap of that is, swap is-, is vulnerability. So like, yep. for example, if say, for example, you and your partner, same situation, you guys come home. One of the partners has had a, both of the partners have had a really hard day. I don't know if I like that swap that much. I don't know if vulnerability is actually a solution to entitlement. I think it's gratitude. I think that both can actually do a really beautiful job. Okay. But I think that in the vulnerability like that, I think in the vulnerability in that scenario, for example, you both are having a hard day. If one doesn't communicate vulnerably. Oh, so you're saying, so in this scenario, if the 
wife in this case is putting dinner together and has had a hard day, yeah. she would have to vulnerably express like, listen, why, why do you always sit on the couch and I'm, I have to do all this? Like yeah. that's a vulnerable situation. Whereas from the man's perspective in this example, gratitude is the only thing that will really fix it. I actually think humility, they need to be all these humbled. They yeah. need, you know, cause I think life can hit you in the head with a brick. Mm-hmm. And you kind of wake up and realize like, oh, I've been very entitled and yeah. I didn't realize it. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'll share this briefly. So when I was 14 years old, my stepfather left my family mm-hmm. and we, he left with a lot of the money, the income. We had no income after that. Not none, but very, very low. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize I was more spoiled than I thought because we went from having a lot of Xbox Dreamcast, all these toys and, and video games, all that stuff to like, we can't afford anything. Right. So I realized, holy crap. So life really hit me in the head with a brick with that of, I didn't realize I was spoiled yeah. and I had, I had some spoiled tendencies, but I'm grateful that happened because it got the spoiled away from me. So again, we'll have to revisit that, but I don't know if I agree that vulnerability is enough to really solve entitlement. I think entitlement is mm. like way deeper and yeah. way bigger. Well, I'll I agree with you. Time. It's not fully enough, okay. but I do believe vulnerability is a really healthy swap because there is a ton of generational healthy entitlement. Start. That yes. Yeah. And I think vulnerability is a really good, huge lever point because I think it requires to have humility. I think it requires gratitude. I think it requires some of those other, other elements that you talked about. Okay. So then the last question here, and then we'll wrap up with this one. And I, I actually don't really have an answer to this. And so I'm so excited to hear your perspective on this. Thank you, the third question is how fine is the fine line between healthy and toxic masculinity? How fine is the fine line between healthy and toxic masculinity? Yeah. The answer that I gave in the event was it's not just the action. It's the energy that you do it with. Mm. So, for example, um, I think that toxic masculinity is stemming from a different place. Mm. I think toxic masculinity is stemming from deep insecurity and scarcity and fear. And so I'll try to give an example here. If you are in a relationship with a woman or a man that you deem unconsciously or deep inside of you, you think is better than you and you think they're amazing deep down, but you're so afraid that if they know how amazing they are, that they're going to leave you because you don't feel good enough for them. Mm -hmm. And none of this is necessarily conscious. This is usually in the subconscious or the unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. You're going to do everything. It's a need-based, fear-based, I need Emilia to stay with me, so I'm going to be toxic and manipulative. Yeah. Versus someone who has self-belief, self-worth, growth, abundance, I don't really need Emilia, I just want Emilia. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes down to the difference between aspiration and fear, fear and scarcity. Mm-hmm. And so... Toxic masculinity, I think, is actually a byproduct of very deep-rooted insecurity and a lack of self-belief and self-worth. It's a, it's a lack of, and I, I would say more self-belief than anything, I've yeah. come to realize. It's, mm-hmm. it's not really a lack of self-worth. I think toxic masculinity, in its core, is having low self-belief and high self-worth. I think about like the all-star football player from high school who like still brags about their awesome touchdowns, but it's like, dude, that was like 10 years ago. (laughs) And by the way, you're massively out of shape now. I feel like that type of energy Mm -hmm. is so entitled and so toxic. And, and the, the last piece of this that I want to make sure is clear to all of our listeners 
Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Gaston from Beauty and the Beast has the animals he's killed hanging on his walls. He he believes Belle is his possession. Mm-hmm. He believes she should be his wife because he's him. He's the epitome of toxic masculinity. So yes, it's a fine line, but I just think I think one stems from scarcity, fear, and uncertainty, and the other one stems from genuine desire and abundance and love. And the same situation can feel so different energetically mm. because of where it stems from. And I think this is where people can feel your intentions. Definitely. You know, if your intention is genuinely to help and then there's some maybe toxic moments, that's going to feel very less, much healthier and less toxic than someone who really is just trying to get the last cookie in the cookie jar. Yeah. You know? So yeah. that's my best answer. Cool. I love that. Thank you so much, Steph. You're um, welcome, baby. I don't have anything to add to that because you, I had a couple things that if you didn't, I was like, yeah, this, uh, so you crushed it. So for all of our listeners, hopefully the three questions that we had, number one, do most people desire to be right more than they want to connect? Number two, can a relationship work if both have toxic masculinity? And then number three, how fine is the fine line between healthy and toxic masculinity? Hopefully each one of these questions helped to kind of bring a golden nugget nugget to your plate golden so that nugget. nugget so that you can you can work on avoiding these toxic masculinity the tendencies whether it's in your relationship or in relationships that you know and you can swap those out for more healthy tendencies that are adaptive and constructive for your relationship but if this is something that you and your partner are having a hard time on, trust us, we know that there is some degree of this in, in most likely everyone's relationship. As a result, Alan and I make sure that for those of us who have the hard time, for those of us who feel disconnected in this arena, for those of us who desire to connect and want their love to be protected, we make sure that absolutely every single Friday we have our free Saturday it's I'm sorry Saturday every single Saturday we have uh service Saturdays that we call and we make sure that it's a a safe space for every single individual whoever's struggling in this regard we can jump on zoom we can chat it up we can see where the challenge is in this arena and we can uh, equip you with tools that will help you and your partner work through some of these toxic masculinity traits so if you go to the doctors and they have the wrong root cause of the issue they're going to treat the wrong disease and they can't solve it. So that the purpose of that relationship talks is to get to the root. If you want to change the fruit, you have to go study the root and figure out what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And so that's what those relationship talks are all about. Also, I just wanted to say this. Uh, how fine is the fine line? A fine wine grows on a vine <laughs> at nine as well ah, so i just wanted to say that perfect <laughs> yeah i feel like there was some value in that yeah <laughs> by the way too if you do want to book a relationship talks it is in the sh- in the links in the show notes yeah so, perfect. i did forget to say that because no worries the it, line is fine <laughs> on y9 <laughs> we gotta we, yeah, we, yeah, we gotta go okay so uh also we have a relationship talks virtual event as you know you've heard obviously throughout this whole episode this is our 25th event Mm. So a year, two years, I'm sorry, two years and one month, this will be in a row. How to not fall out of love with your partner. You first meet, boy meets girl, girl meets girl, boy meets boy, whatever. You fall in love, infatuation stage, honeymoon phase, love it, okay? How do you create a honeymoon life? Mm. Six months in, six years in, 16 years in, do you still have the same passion? 
Do you still have the same juice, the same love, the same sexual intimacy, the same, the same feeling in love? A lot of people understand this. There's a big difference between loving someone and being in love with someone. Mm-hmm. A lot of people feel like, well, I love him or I love her, but I'm not in love with her or him anymore. Emilia and I want to help you with that. We are still deeply, deeply in love. I miss mm-hmm. her every time I'm not with her. It is literally obnoxious, <laughs> um, but it's also the best Same. thing in the entire world. So we want to help you with that. How do you not fall out of love? How do you not let it get stale, mm-hmm. right? And so that's going to be on July 13th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be there or we will give you massive FOMO. (laughs) (laughs) Our last event was truly amazing. So shout out to all of our attendees that had all the questions, all of the engagement and all of the team members that helped with that because literally 45 minutes after an event with questions like that, like, genuinely amazing. yeah we went a little late we love to do this work <laughs> genuinely because it is something that we know the world needs so much so we would love to see you at that event and all the other ones that we have out there so click the link in the show notes to not only register for that event but also to sign up for our relationship talks again both are free and um at your disposal so. absolutely Yay. and as always it's not about you or me it's about the we the we we'll talk to you next time bye everyone Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Conscious Couples Podcast. We love connecting with the Conscious Couples community, so please make sure you follow us on Instagram. I am at Evolve with Amelia, and Alan is a Lazarus88. Also, if you or your partner resonated with this episode, leave us a review at the link in the show notes, and please share this with someone you love and care about. Until next time, remember, it's not about you or me. It's about the we.